Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. I am Tim Whitaker, joined here by Jordan Renault. And Jordan Renault's wife is sitting on the couch, uh, <laughs> looking at us strangely, like we have quite 10 heads. Strangely. Yes, quite strangely. It's okay. Um, I have some big news, Jordan. Actually, you have some big news to tell me and the world. Yes. I'm ready. Which one are you talking about? The one about that involves you and me. <laughs> something that you mentioned last week that you stopped doing, oh. that you are now doing because of this podcast. All right. So, yes. I refollowed Tim on Facebook. Ah. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Careful, though. You're on thin ice. That's true. Jordan's wife, Stacia, however, still has not. But the way I see it, that's one down, one to go. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a Rob Bell then situation. Then you can just stop. Can God's love eventually reach everyone? That's the way I see it. Yeah. No? Later. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine, 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 fine. So, again, welcome, everyone, to um, episode number two. I will say thank you so much to everyone who listened. Um, yes. I got a lot of feedback from our first podcast, and I was told that it was it was a, a success. So, that is it makes me very happy. Um, I had some people who I thought would never listen to a podcast like this. And they um, either messaged me or texted me and said, I really enjoyed it, and I, I, I just appreciated everything. So so I'm glad you guys are enjoying the podcast. Um, if you like it, continue to share it um, and just kind of um, you know spread the word about like what we're trying to do here. Um, if you have any questions, of course, you can always listen to our first podcast where we kind of lay out our theology and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, briefly, so very briefly, it is brief, but <laughs> I feel like it's necessary. And, and yeah, no, looking back at that podcast, I'm really glad <laughs> that we were really clear in the very beginning. Yeah, because good foresight. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, I don't want to brag, but I, I have my moments. They're not they're not many, but there are a few. Um, anyway, so um, oh, Jordan, before we, we, we begin, what coffee are we drinking today? Um, I don't know. Okay. Whatever is in the It's grinder. not Folgers, though, right? No. Okay, good. It's definitely Starbucks. Well, I was worried for a second, all right? Uh, As Starbucks for me is free. <laughs> Premium only. That's what I, what I uh, like to say. So right. we have our coffee here. We have our laptops out. Now, today's topic, Jordan, was one that was kind of – it was really your idea, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I had I thought about the topic, but you're the one who was kind of like, you know, we should solidify this. And also, my fiancé also brought it up as well. She said, mm -hmm. you guys should really do one on the Pope. I said, <laughs> okay, I think we can do that. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the Pope man, he was in town. Um, he shut down, like, the whole, Philly. like, eastern hemisphere. He yeah. shut down New Jersey and Philly, which really he didn't. I mean, I don't know. No. You know, I work very close to Philly. And on the couple of days that he was here, I was ready for just, you know, traffic everywhere and, and no way to get into the city. And everyone I talked to who wanted to see the Pope had no problem getting in. And apparently a lot of businesses suffered, too, because everyone was so scared of going into the city that no one went. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of defeated the purpose. But, That's true. But, he scared everyone away. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the, the point is, is that the Pope was in town. He was mm -hmm. uh, a six-day tour, started over in Washington and met with uh, the, uh, the president. And Congress. Uh, and Congress. And First Pope to ever do that. Yes. Okay. That's He had, he had a yeah. speech at, uh, um, at Congress as well. Yes. And he also met in secret with someone, which we'll get into later on. <laughs> the secret rendezvous. The secret rendezvous. <laughs> um, and then he came, made, made his way up really to Philly eventually, and that's where he ended his uh, his trip. Yeah. So, so, Jordan, what was so big on your heart, shall we say, that you wanted to talk about the Pope? I'm ready. Well, I feel like we'll get deeper into it. I'm sure. But I wanted to start. 
uh, the conversation off with, I don't know, getting your thoughts a little bit on the subject. And this ties into the Pope, so I'm not completely changing subject here. But this is the topic of, like, celebrities in the church and how the church reacts to celebrities. And the thing that brought this up was that this past week, yes, yes, there was yes. an article in Relevant Magazine, or their, at least on their website, um, about Justin Bieber and Justin Bieber doing this interview um, and basically saying some stuff about, I mean, it sounded pretty cool, like some of the stuff he was saying. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He seems like he's turning some things around a little bit. Um, and just saying things about like how his faith has changed him and he really just wants to be like Jesus. Um, and it was really cool. And so then like the next day, I was listening to the radio on the way home and they mentioned something about his new song that just came out. And I was like, oh, cool. A new Justin Bieber song with his turned around lifestyle. Okay. And <laughs> whatnot. So probably the first time I've ever looked up a Justin Bieber song. Um, I just want, I was curious, genuinely curious after reading sure. this article. Sure. And no, it's the same Justin Bieber. We, we've always known. What is the, what, what's the name of the song? The song is called, I don't even remember the name of the song, actually. It's basically the music video because I watched 30 seconds of the music video. Okay. Before I had to turn it off. Okay. It's basically him walking into like a motel room and there's a girl there and things progress from there. Do they play chess? Do they play checkers? Is it yeah, all a that. handshake or? All that. Okay. So they're just good <laughs> friends having like, 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 like a family right. friendly movie night. Yeah. Yes. And talking about Jesus. <laughs> It is called What Do You Mean? Oh, What Do You Mean? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, that was kind of like my, not, I mean, kind of disappointed a little bit, but not really. I wasn't super surprised, but it just got me thinking about, like, this whole idea of celebrities talking about Jesus and even sometimes when it seems more genuine, the way that the church reacts to it um, and Christians, and I think of Somewhat more recently, the whole thing with Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. <laughs> um, All right. <laughs> so are you asking me, like, for my opinion on this? Yeah, thing? what do you like think about? Thoughts? What do you think about? You know, now this is a topic I can get behind, Jordan. This is something yeah. that I actually I was thinking about. And, um, you know, I kind of posted some of my thoughts in someone else's Facebook status. And I kind of, again, one of those foot in mouth where I'm like, why did I say anything? Why did I get involved? But I did. And... There are always like two sides to the coin, right? You're going to yeah. have side A that says, listen, if he says it and he sounds sincere, then we should welcome him in the fold and push him towards Jesus. Right, yeah. And I can't really argue with that. But then there's the other side of, well, we live like in a machine that lives for attention. Like the Hollywood machine is 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 designed to make money off of how much attention we give something or someone or, you know, some product. And so I can't help but also be kind of skeptical because right. of, of our culture and think, well, is this is this kind of like what Justin is doing to kind of reach a new target audience to make money off of? Yeah. And also, does he really know what he's saying? Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to become kind of like the very people that I don't like to be uh, or the, the very people that I don't like to um you know, emulate like a Pharisee, like, you know, I, I don't want to be someone who is against someone and always known as someone who is against something. 
But in this example, I really don't know because I really hope that 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 he has met Jesus and that his life is turned around. But then I then I think about all the the stuff in the Bible, like in James, where it says, you know. Um, Faith without works is dead. And I think about Jesus who says mm-hmm. that many will say, Lord, Lord, do we not do these things? But only those who yeah. do the will of my father will well, enter the kingdom. Oh, boy. All right. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. So I think about all these things and I go, I don't know how to take it because like 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 I, I reiterated already, I, I hope it's sincere. I have a hard time trusting that it's sincere. And I think about kind of like the rich man with Jesus and, you know, the guy says to Jesus, hey, what do I have to do to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus is like, sell everything you have. And he's like, okay, never mind. And just kind of walks away. And I think about for celebrities, I feel like, like their challenge is, is, is it worth giving up the fame for, you know, is it worth stepping away out of of these limelights um, for the, for the sake of Christ? Now, some people might say, well, we're just doing something, doing things really unpopular. Right while you're still in the line. Right. Like not having, you know, naked girls in your videos or something or, you right. know, but now that, th- that being said, this could have, he could have recorded those things before this. Yeah. I, I have, that which is also too. true, you know, and, yeah. but I would hope again, and man, I don't want to sound too, too harsh here. And I know there are people listening who, um, I'm probably on pretty thin ice with already, but I, in my head, if I made a conversion of something, I would want to denounce, things in my past that I knew were anti whatever I was converting to. So if, right. if I converted to Jesus, I would want to step back from those things. But if he's still a child in Christ and he's, he needs baby milk right now, he can't handle a steak dinner mm-hmm. yet. I also want to be sensitive to that as well. So honestly, to answer your question, I'm very torn mm-hmm. because I feel like I can see both sides and I don't want to be that guy who when I get to heaven, God's like, man, you gave my boy Justin here a really hard time. Right. But I also don't want, want to be someone who is easily duped into thinking, oh, no, it's it's legit, and we should just support this person. And, you know, and yes, we, that's a new Christian to the fold because the life of Christ and the life of living a Christ as a Christ follower is very radical, and yeah. it demands a lot. I mean, it's stuff that you and I, you know, any person will struggle to obtain consistently, and that's the whole, that's the whole point of grace. But there's still a mind change there, right? There are fruits to come out of it so i guess time will tell is is, yeah. is the short of it but that whole world man that whole celebrity world it is a world that i don't know how to handle i just don't <laughs> i don't know how to handle it that's true i don't well you've never been a part of it so <laughs> all right well Sorry. that's the end of I our podcast to today <laughs> as insulting as it came across no, but you're totally right i haven't been and if i'm in his shoes i don't know what i would do either i mean the uh, the the you know allure of money and fame and touring the world i mean as a musician that's something that i've dreamt of you know so right. so I, i'm not there so i can't be the one to call him out on that but if he is a brother in christ that gives us and that gives him as well ownership in our lives to help him along and to call him out and that's the one thing that i think people wrestle with here a lot is when it comes to like calling out the church people are always like well don't judge well no in the church we're called to judge we're called exactly. to hold each other accountable we're and, and same goes for me i need people speaking into my life if I'm going to go anywhere with, with, with my walk with Jesus. And in fact, if I haven't had people like you and, you know, Jerry and people in my life who haven't spoke, uh, spoken into my life, it, I wouldn't be the person I am today. So I need those yeah. people correcting me gently in love. And I, I think the same thing goes for other people. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad for your input on that. Well, what do you think? About 
Yeah. Celebrity? I was about to tell oh, you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Did I interrupt? I'm sorry. Yeah, that that's okay. So, yeah, so my thought about this was much Hey, Jordan, what's your thought? Well, Tim. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm listening. Well, I kind of had the same thoughts as you as far as, um, like, being torn a little bit between skepticism and wanting to support, you know, the possibility of something being genuine. And But it also got me thinking about, like, uh, a different side of it, which is kind of how Christians tend to, like, sometimes at least, like, rally around, like, these celebrity figures whether it's like a celebrity that is professing faith in christ or if it's a pastor that has been getting to you know like into the fame and into the being on the pedestal kind of thing and we kind of like rally around and and hold up these people that you know we see as somehow famous or um yeah, I don't know what it is. And that's what kind of got me thinking is, like, why do we why do we do that? It's like we're still stuck in this, like, fame is everything mentality. And, you know, I mean, I, I got to say it's it's pride, you know, probably. Well, what do you mean? Like, un- unpack that pride because we want to brag about someone who is famous and is now on, on quote, unquote, our side? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that's a big thing. Like. Just wanting that, I think Christians want a something that puts them in like the the good graces of the public, mm, if you will. Yeah, you know, like we want this this celebrity that people like. We want them to be on our side, or we want them to like us. And this is where it really tied into this whole topic of the Pope and the Catholic Church, is because looking back into some of like the history. And where this, where you know, the Catholic Church started, really kind of was birthed out of this huge change that came for the early church when it was when Christianity was basically legalized in the Roman Empire, and then not too many years later was made the state religion of the Roman Empire, and it was just interesting to me, and this is kind of how it all tied in for me in my mind at least, was just how I don't know that good things in the church come from the church being like that much in the spotlight and that much in the, like that's the most accepted, that's the the state religion, you know, like you are supposed to be a Christian because that's what is expected of you. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying in the last podcast about, like, that pastor in China and how, like, he was worried for the future of the young people in China because it was too easy to be a Christian. And I think that a lot of times when things when it's too easy to be a Christian, um, you get really shallow, you know, really not much substance to them kind of Christians. And hopefully not all the time, um, but I think that's a danger, at least, of kind of that situation. Do you feel that it's kind of like though, like like a catch twenty two? Because either I, I feel like what you're saying is either the church gets too well known and popular and sinks, or 
no one knows about it and it sinks besides like besides like like if you elite people who are in on something where everyone else is out of something so is there is there a way to do both well yeah i think so i mean i don't know it's it's hard to say because you see uh, you see instances where the church is like really terribly persecuted as it was like in the early church you know when the church was first forming in the new testament and examples like in communist china and you see the like this huge growth in the church at least in you know it's kind of like one of these like quality over quantity kind of things too though because maybe the church wasn't as large you know maybe the 1.2 billion you know people that we that are part of the catholic church weren't around in the early church but you had these you know couple thousand people that were so on fire you know and were so like um just all about like spreading radical really yeah radical i mean yeah yeah that makes sense in my mind and this is for me where it comes down to when you're just following Christ, there are times where society might, might agree with you and line up with you, and that's not a bad thing. There are times where they're not going to. But the problem for me, in my opinion, especially in this culture, is that we are just on like we are on the wrong side of so many things, not even culturally speaking, just Jesus speaking. There are so many things that I look at and I go, well, if Jesus was here, I could never see him you know, advocating for that. In fact, he'd probably be advocating for the opposite. And the Christians are advocating for the side that I don't think Jesus ever would. And then we become even more unpopular in the culture. Because, Well, we become more unpopular in one part of the culture. Um, and this is where politic. you know, this is where we, we in, in my opinion, we really see how tied in politics and religion really are here. Because it's to the point where if I went up to someone... And I said, yeah, you know, I'm really a big fan of protecting the environment. That automatically, in that person's head, puts me as left-leaning. There's no way around it. I could be super conservative, quote-unquote, biblically speaking. I could take every every word in the Bible 100% literal, poems and all. You know, I could be the most fundamentalist Christian, but if I say I believe in, in, in being a good steward of the environment, people will think this guy's left-leaning. Yeah. That's how in that's how tied together these issues are. So the problem is that I feel if I say anything socially speaking, people start labeling me. Well, he must be this. He must be that. If I say I'm for lower taxes, well, he's just a conservative. I, if I say, well, I am for you know being a good steward and lowering our our um, our um, greenhouse gas emission, well, he's just a big liberal. Like I can't yeah. win either way. But the bottom line is that is that <laughs> is that in a lot of ways you can find support for a lot of different issues across the board biblically, um, and that doesn't make you right or left it makes you someone who wants to follow the bible like the bible i'm a big fan and believer that god wants us to take care of the earth that's not an unreasonable task you know if someone the analogy i always use is you know jordan if i let you borrow if if i owned a ferrari which i never will but if i did and i I said you know what jordan while i'm gone take this ferrari make it your own keep it until i come back and if if you took that ferrari and you trashed it and ate McDonald's in it every day and smoked in it and, you know, and went down, you know, off-roading with it and brought it back to me and said, here you go, thanks for letting me use it, I probably wouldn't be too thrilled. 
But for some reason, when it comes to the environment and our culture, because a certain political group has made that a talking point and and we disagree on other ideologies with that group, somehow that also gets thrown out the window as well. Even though, biblically speaking, we are called to be stewards of the earth and to take care of it and to hopefully, the best we can, you know, not trash it. But we do. And people go, well, that's okay. It's all going to burn anyway. You know, so so I, I, I'm a little off topic here, but, but my point that's is fine. that I feel— um, it is very difficult to um, to find these balances when it comes to how the church should be perceived. So in my head, I go, you know what? I'm just going to follow Christ as much as possible. And some people are going to love it. Some won't. Some people will agree with me on certain things. Some won't. There are times on Facebook where I really agree with, uh, with some of my much more left-leaning friends. There are other times where they really disagree with me. And a great example of that, um, there was something that happened with some with some politician and I wrote on someone's wall, a friend of mine who's very left. I said, listen, I said, I said, you're calling, you're, you are calling this person names, but yet you're also advocating that we need to stop name calling other to other people. So it's, you know, how about we be consistent? He got really upset at me. Well, I'm just being consistent. And also Jesus doesn't advocate calling names of anyone, you know, in, in, in that context. And so that was just one example of like, you know, I'm just trying to look at the Bible and say, okay, how does Jesus live? And wherever we land, we land in culture's eyes. Who cares? And there are some things that I think culture will love and some some that, that they really won't. But that yeah. doesn't stop or that shouldn't stop where we should land on those issues. Yeah. That's interesting that you brought that up, too, because one of the things that I was actually talking to a friend at work earlier today about uh, the Pope and just I was just asking him what he thought about him. And one of the things that we were kind of ended up talking about was just how – He's very much like that, like the current Pope Francis. Yeah. is very much like he'll say things that seem really left, and he'll say things that seem really conservative, and he holds really conservative beliefs on such issues, some issues like abortion and homosexuality and um, like traditional family structure. And in other things, he's very much pro, you know, immigration reform and protecting the environment. Take care of the like poor. Yeah, it was just an interesting thing that came up about him specifically. Um, but no, yeah. absolutely. I mean, what do you think about, I mean, how sh- how do you think Christians should perceive the Pope? That's the question I've been thinking about. Right. I, don't know how to, kind of I don't know how to take this guy because, yeah, you know, I, I grew up obviously Christian, but my mom was Catholic. And so I kind of got one version of her Catholicism about how mm. how much we disagree and how Catholicism isn't really truly the true Christian faith. And, you know, I, so I kind of grew up believing that. But then I had a professor um, in college who taught me taught me Old Testament and he was a complete Bible believer, Christ follower. And his wife was Catholic and he attended a Catholic mass on Sundays. I thought, wow, that's very interesting. And then I was listening to Shane Claiborne, who I love. Shane, if you're listening to this podcast, please come on our <laughs> podcast. I would love to have you on. Anyway, um, and he was saying how he attends Catholic Mass on Sunday morning and then goes to a charismatic church on Sunday night. I'm like, that's, that guy's the man. So I don't yeah. know how to, how as Christians we need to view Catholicism. And I don't think we can answer it in this podcast. And there's a friend of no. mine right now. His name is Brian. He's probably listening to this, and he's like, he's very Catholic, and he knows a ton about the Catholic Church. He's probably yeah. going to like be rolling over the whole time <laughs> of how much I'm going to butcher this. So, um, Brian, yeah, we apologize too. ahead of time. We're doing <laughs> so our sorry. best. Yeah, We fully admit that we are not experts on this issue. But, hey, here we go. No, <laughs> no. And that's kind of where, you know, I came from in this. And, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to talk about it. Um, but it's definitely from a perspective. My perspective is 
I have never been part of the Catholic Church. Right. I don't know a whole lot about it. You know, the some research I've done in the past and a little bit more of the past few days. But really, I mean, like, I might say something wrong. or you know, Right, like, right. But these are the things. And I tried to be really, in looking at certain things about the Catholic Church and about the Pope, I tried to be really... Um, just kind of open to what they had to say about themselves. Mm. And that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. And in answer to your question, or in starting a discussion about your question, how should Christians view the Pope or the Catholic Church for that matter? Right. Um, and when we say Christians, I think we're talking specifically about evangelical Christians mm. to make that distinction. Um and it's really hard, especially, and this is kind of why I wanted to talk about the Pope, is because uh, this new Pope, kind of new, he's been around for some years. Right, now. that's true. Um, but he is very much different than a lot of Popes in the past. And people yes. compare him a lot to his predecessor, Pope Benedict, who was the guy that took a $200 million salary and, you know, lived in the crazy palatial right <laughs> thing yeah very royal and and those are some things that people point to with pope francis and just kind of uh you know that we should uh respect and admire about him is that he's a very humble guy and he does things very differently than other popes have and he says things differently than other popes and he l lives an example that really supports a lot of the things that he's saying which is awesome I think that's really great. Um, and one of the things that people point to a lot is how he doesn't live in, like, the normal yes. papal suite yes. at the thing. So I, I was actually really curious, like, what the place was where he does live. Yeah. Um, and it's not, like, that humble. <laughs> and I'm not saying that he's not a humble guy. Right. And there's probably nowhere that's not nice within the Vatican. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> it's, so like, it's like, it's like <laughs> this huge Vatican and this little tent is right. like Francis. But this, I want you to see, Tim, right, even though our, our listeners can't see, but this is like the entryway to oh. the apartment thing. That's the lives. apartment? No, that's not his apartment. His room is a little bit more humble for sure. But that's like the entryway, which is like marble floor. That's where he lives. You know what, though? Dude, that's pretty humble. It is. It's pretty much a. It, 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 okay, for our viewers who are listening, um, it's pretty much what I would say maybe a fifteen by ten foot room. Yeah. Maybe, maybe twenty by ten, and it's one bed. It's you know it's, it's, it's a, a few rooms. Okay, but I'm saying his room though is not. I mean, this is not that yeah, no. big though for the. Pope. No, I agree, and that and that's and it's still a good point. You know that people make definitely absolutely. That, um, just the example that he lives of. Right. His humility. I mean, he, he, cer he certainly lives in a, in pl a place smaller than most Americans do. Yeah, that's true. So. Um, and another thing I was learning about him as I was reading up on it a little bit is just how much work he's done with, like, interfaith dialogue. Yes. And even just on, like, his Wikipedia article, it kind of goes through, like, these different religions and how he kind of interacted with them as a bishop and as a cardinal um, in Argentina before he was the Pope and just kind of how what they think of him and it's it's really interesting actually and we don't have time to get into it in great detail but just like the Jewish community there and even the Islamic community there like all have a really great respect for him um, which and is yet, kind of interesting yet right-wing conservative Christians don't <laughs> 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 they're always the only ones 
Yeah. Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. I mean, I, I and, and by, by the way, let, let, let me define my terms here. By right-wing conservative, I mean people like Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, Donald Trump, who all affirm to be Christ followers, which is hilarious. But the point is, is that they're the ones who are giving the most, the hardest time. You know, stay out of politics and you should just be religious, which, by the way, in my opinion, you know, it just shows how how ignorant people like that even are of, of being a Christ follower because mm-hmm. being a Christ follower – entails your whole life like it's how you live yeah. it's not just certain parts of your life you know right but no i mean i i get that and i think even among a lot of christians that i've seen and know we they, there's a lot of respect there for this pope for some reason um i think it has to do a lot with with his policies with how he is living that he's a man of action and that that he can back everything up very biblically sounding you know everything he says he has he has scripture to back it up and you can't argue with scripture when you agree that scripture is inspired and the word of God, you know, yeah. how do you argue with, with take care of the foreigner when it's in the Bible and the Pope tells you that and you're like, well, no. And the, and the Pope's like, well, no, it's in the Bible. How do you argue with that if the Bible is for you the authority of God? Right. You can't. Right. That's the problem. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then there's kind of also this other side to it okay. that is um, just when you look at the Catholic church as an evangelical Christian. Cause that's mm-hmm. what I am. Yes. That's what I consider myself. And so when I look at the Catholic church and the Pope, who is the head of the Catholic church, even though some of the things he does and the examples he sets is contrary to what we've seen from the Catholic church in the past. Um, there are still things that they believe and things that they preach that I would wholeheartedly disagree with. Um, such as yes, um, baptism, the way they view baptism, and this, and just to let you know, this is from the Catholic Catholic dot org. So this okay. is this is from this them, is not Wikipedia. What they believe. This is not my Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, this is not Wikipedia. <laughs> this is not I tried some, some blog posts. Tried <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Pope's right. blog posts. I am the Pope. You know, no, it's and not this that. is no. Um, but yeah, I tried to avoid Wikipedia as much as possible, and like I said, was trying to get their opinion on themselves. And this is something I definitely disagree with as an evangelical Christian, Christian, and this is what it says. It says, baptism is the sacrament that frees man from original sin and from personal guilt that makes him a member of Christ and his church. It is thus the door to a new and supernatural life. And it goes on to say, baptism is a true sacrament instituted by Christ. I agree with that. It is administered by washing with natural water and at the same time invoking the most holy trinity. Anybody, even, this was interesting to me, even an unbeliever, sorry, unbeliever, or a heretic can validly administer baptism since it confers grace by the signs being properly carried out. Children can and should be baptized even while still infants. Baptism is necessary for salvation. That's my biggest qualm with this whole thing. Well, at least we're clear on it. <laughs> Baptism affects the remission of original sin and actual sins and of all punishment due to sin. It confers sanctifying grace, membership in Christ and in the church, and the obligation to obey the church's laws and give an indelible character. Hmm. So That's a lot there. Right. <laughs> so are they saying that baptism forgives sins? Essentially, I mean, that's that's how I understand it. It says baptism affects the remission of original sin and actual sin and of all punishment due to sin. Now, what, what about the part with the heretic? Right. 
that was interesting to me. I had never heard anything Are, like that Is that before. saying that, that an unbeliever can baptize someone else or that an unbeliever can be baptized? I think it's saying that an unbeliever can administer baptism. Maybe it's kind of protecting itself. It's one of those things where it's like, even if the person claims Christ and really isn't, if they were technically an unbeliever, it would still count. Right, because it's about the person being baptized. Right. I can understand that. And that, you know, takes it a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm really like, trying to understand because I've never heard this before either. Yeah. This is the first time my ears have heard these words. And it is thought-provoking. But the, the one thing that's very clear that they said is that it's necessary for salvation. Right. Which, obviously, as a, as a Protestant, as an evangelical, would completely 100% disagree with. Um, Protestants see it much more as this is a symbol of what you've already done in your heart and exactly. not necessary for salvation. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And even—and this is an interesting thing, the part about the, the heretic or the unbeliever— I keep saying that. Unbeliever. <laughs> it's because we were talking about Justin Bieber. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the unbeliever. <laughs> oh, my god. Unbeliever. No. Um, about them administering baptism, and then it says, it defines that, since it confers grace by the signs being properly carried out. So it's basically saying, as far as I understand it, that grace is given by the signs being carried out. It doesn't matter who's doing it. Right. It's the action of these signs that is baptism. Well, maybe maybe they get it out of First Peter three twenty one. I just did a quick little Google study on just verse uh, baptism and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the Bible. First Peter three twenty one says, "And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you, also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ." So yeah. maybe they kind of take that and think, well, to be baptized is necessary for salvation because of what it's sim- because of what it's symbolizing. Right. I I don't know. There are some things like that, like, like even that, you know. And it's funny. I did think about that when you were talking about things that we disagree with or that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I do have a hard time seeing how s- baptism saves you because they say it's necessary for salvation. Right. So I don't understand how or where you would draw that from. Right. Um, so I mean, I can something. see that they can get this from verses in the Bible, well, like the one you just or said. Or Mark sixteen sixteen. whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Right. But notice it separates, believes yes. and is baptized. Right. You know, it separates it there. But you have to look at the whole, right. you know, the whole of Christ's teaching about salvation yeah. and what that says. And I really think when, the, when you do that, it becomes something that is really all about, you know, grace and faith and not at all an action that you do. Yeah, but some would argue <laughs> you know? that, that believing is an action. I mean, you've, right. heard, those, oh, yeah, you've, no. you've heard those little traps. Like, ooh, Definitely, you know? for sure. And, and that's where you get into the much deeper argument. Sure. You know, Calvinism versus Armenians. Oh, is there any That's a will? new topic for us. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that one. I got friends <laughs> who want to. I, I, I might need 40 more microphones here. Cause I have people who would, wa- would want to weigh in on that for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you pretty much said, I bet we should never do that. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, the point I'm making is that I feel like this, and this is just one thing, and, and I don't want to be so like harping on this one thing over and over, but it is something that comes up. And I mean, I believe sal- what you believe about salvation and your relationship with Jesus is probably the most important thing that you could believe. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because, you know, other than maybe like your view of God or who God is, I would say your um, view, what you believe about how you relate to God is second to that. Yeah. And this is this is that subject. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important. Um, And it's just so far towards it's not even, you know, nitpicking about is believing in action or not. This is so far towards you have to do this thing to be saved. So to you, is this like a non-negotiable deal breaker in your head? In a way. Mm. It's tough. You know, and I feel like, like kind of how we disclaimed earlier, we just, I feel like I just don't know enough um, to really understand like the context or like what that's saying. It's kind of like, like when I read like certain verses in the Bible, I'm like, I know I'm missing something here. Mm -hmm. I just don't know what I'm missing. But at the same time, the wording is pretty clear and I can't imagine. And this was pretty much all they had to say on it. Right. Like I'm, I'm not taking this paragraph like from a much larger explanation. Right. Right. This was their explanation. Right. Right. So, so going back to our question then, I mean, do you feel like, I mean, I see, this is really tricky water for me to be honest, because I don't, man, I don't want to use, I don't have the power to, to judge a heart and to know a heart. And I definitely don't know, you know, who's ending up where, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Right. But I mean, it does make you wonder what else could you believe, you know, when it comes to, um, Jesus in the in that in the faith that really can be kind of off, but then it also makes me wonder. I wonder what a Catholic would see as um, uh, on on the other side of the fence, looking at us saying, "Oh no, this is really off." Like yeah. a good example is um, that I heard from my professor. He said, "You know, it's funny because you know the P- Christians always say, well, whenever we we take uh, the Lord's communion." Or supper, we don't really believe that it's the physical body of Jesus. We believe that it's right. a symbol, even though Jesus says, "This is my body. This is my blood." And his point was saying, you know, it's funny how Christians are all about taking the words of Jesus literally, except for those. You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, I can't argue with that. Now I'm sure there's more to it, but that was kind of one little glimpse of like, huh? You know, I never, I never, I never read that in my in that context. I just always read it and thought, yeah, of course it's a symbol. You know, right. so I'm sure that there are things that 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 Catholics look at um, on the other end and go, well, that's way off. And but it's really hard because in this in this culture that we live in, I feel like like the waters can be so muddy so easily. And you don't want to you don't want to plant a flag on anything too crazy and be kind of labeled like someone who is like just so close minded that, that you won't even hear other other thoughts and opinions. But you don't want to be so open either where it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Like there has to be truth somewhere in this in this right. in this pond. Right. So it definitely for me is this is very I feel like I'm playing a game of Minesweeper and I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to step on a mine because <laughs> right. this is really tedious, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And I agree. And I, and I tried to make this disclaimer that I don't understand everything about this. And really, I'm just looking at it as someone who wants to believe what the Bible, what the Bible, what the Bible is. And, yeah. you know, I see this coming from the Catholic Church as contrary to what the Bible says. Um, yeah. And with, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this, um, but getting back to the Pope and, and yes, specifically absolutely. the Pope. Um, but yeah, some, some things that the Pope has said about, um, what was this other thing? 
Oh, so he had this. Uh, this came up a lot in my looking into Pope Francis. Um, and it was some comments he made in a sermon that he gave about um, atheists. Have you heard anything about that? Maybe. Is okay. it is it in like a, a, a meme as well, kind of? Maybe. Like meme format? I don't know. I haven't right. seen that. Okay. Anyway, so here's basically, this was actually also from the Catholic.org news site, and it was someone writing okay. an article about the Pope's okay. sermon. So this okay. is not from like some atheist you know, no, no. source. This is from the Catholic. This is them saying what the Pope said and giving their commentary. All right, I'm ready. From, a, from the Catholic website. I'm ready. And it says, the Holy Father is full of surprises. Uh, okay. <laughs> Born of true and faithful humility. I agree. He's a humble guy. On Wednesday, he declared that all people, not just Catholics, are redeemed through Jesus, even atheists. And before I didn't, that's not what I so much I wanted to get into because that is like a thing. And they, they did have a good explanation for that um, in that he was saying that these people can be redeemed okay. through what Jesus did, which I completely so agree he wasn't, with. So he wasn't pulling a Rob Bell. No, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, so it wasn't that, but it was more this next part. And it says, however, he did emphasize there was a catch. Those people must still do good. In fact, it is in doing good that they are led to the one who is the source of all that is good. In essence, he simply restated the hope of the church that all come to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. I believe that all come to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. However, yes. I disagree with the fact that doing good or needing to do good draws us closer to Jesus or a relationship with him. Really? And, okay. Ooh, this is good. And this is my biblical support for that. <laughs> okay. I'm ready for your one out of context verse. Romans 7:18. There it is. Yeah. Spe- we could go into out of context verses. <laughs> I'm just Especially kidding. Especially in talking you, about I'll some give of you these a hard Catholic time. Beliefs. But I'm ready. Go ahead. Um, it says, "For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the des- for I have the desire to do what is right." but not the ability to carry it out. So Paul basically saying nothing in me apart from Christ is good. Okay. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't okay. know, man. Hey, hold on. Before I get my, my foot too far in my mouth, um, I agree with the I, – I feel like what, what, what Paul's saying here is that, listen, at the end of the day, apart from, from what God's revealed to me, I just am not a good person. You know, and I, right. that part, I, 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 that's what I think I feel like he's saying because we all know our thoughts when no one's around. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but that's my question. I'm not a good person. That's but my that question. That doesn't mean that, that people can't do good or, or do good things. Like, I can, whoa, okay, that, that face. Well, no, no I really here comes the that. arguing. I mean, I mean at, the, at, at the end of the day, though, we're made in the image of God, and God's image is yeah. still on humanity, regardless of what sin has done. Um, I believe that humans. Even ones who don't know Christ personally can still do good things. I I think in the in the grand scheme of God and His infinite justice and who He is, that that they, that they could ever save us. That our good things will never amount to any kind of redeeming quality. But that doesn't mean right. that we can't do good or that humans don't do good. Um, I see it all the time. I'm sure you see it all the time. We do good things, and I think at the end of the day, most humans want to do good. Yeah. I think what we've confused is the idea of. Without Christ, those works do nothing for us um, in in the presence of God because of how much sin has marred that. 
Right. And by sin, I don't mean acts. I mean just this idea of sin nature as a whole. So, anyway. But, go ahead. let me ask you this. I'm ready. Isn't, as a Christian and believing the Bible, isn't who you are in the presence of God really all that matters? Okay. Y- um. Yes. Okay. So I, I'm just saying, I'm just trying to, from what you just said, yes. that the, the good things that you do, they can be good yes. and still do nothing to save you. Right. Right. That's Which the I whole point with. of the gospel is, yeah. that, is that no matter what we do, it's not enough. Like we're never mm-hmm. going to be enough because of what sin has done to us and to what, and, and really to what we've, we've done to ourselves. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Ravi Zacharias, who I love, he really talks about how postmodernism started at the garden. Did God really say, you know, yeah. from day one, we, we, we've been questioning, did God really say this? Did God really mean that? So we've really dug ourselves into a hole here, but um, that doesn't mean that humans cannot have moments where they do good things. That doesn't mean that it saves them. But, right. But also, I would argue that the Bible is very clear that when we do know Christ personally, the fruit of that relationship is good, is yeah. good works, is is good deeds, is right. a good is. And by good, I don't just mean helping old ladies across the street. You know, it's, it's something deeper than just the physical mm-hmm. act. It's how you are as a person. But right. that that process is not, be, like, like you would say, is not because of us because we know at the end of the day how messed up we can be. You know, I know my thoughts at night. I know my thoughts during the day when no one's around. They're, they, they can be terrible. And I say that because I know that all human thoughts are terrible. Mm-hmm. So I know that apart from Christ showing me how to kind of almost kind of gain back my humanity, so to speak, mm-hmm. there really is no hope. But that doesn't mean that, that somehow humans are – are um cannot do good they can it just won't matter at the end of the day right no and i agree with you in that and i think that what i was trying to say is like when it comes to francis's comments about the good things you're doing bringing you to the point where you can have a relationship with christ I don't agree with that. Well, here's something. Both I'm because sorry, I cut you off. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I forgive me. I do <laughs> it all right. the time. Go You're ahead. Forgiven. Continue. Both because of the verse I just read that says, what was that one that I just read? That says that, that where Paul says that no good dwells in him. Um, and yes, I agree with what you were saying. People can do good things, but when it comes to affecting your relationship with God, that doesn't really help you, right? That was essentially you're what you were saying. You're saying like before, before the belief of Christ. Like right. you're saying before that, right? Yeah. Well, maybe. Okay. Well, let me let me say this. Go ahead. The other verse that I, that came to mind okay. in thinking about this was Ephesians two, um, one and two. It says, "And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world." So my question is like. Basically, when, it, when, when we're talking about coming to know Christ, coming to have a relationship with Christ, and ultimately being saved because of that, yeah, is it you being able to do anything to bring you closer to that, or is it really a dead person being brought back to life? Like, I heard mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite pastors, Francis Chan, uh, yes. um, gave a good illustration of a lot of times when we look at who we were before Christ, we imagine a drowning person. And we imagine a person that's struggling to stay afloat, 
and to um, get back towards safety. Um, and then he says, but you have to realize that's not who we were apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, we were the person that already drowned. Mm -hmm. You know, we were dead. Ephesians 2, 1. <laughs> we were dead. And there wasn't anything that we could do, which I believe is what Pope Francis was saying in those comments, to bring us closer to a relationship with Christ. It was all the work of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus' pursuit of us that brought us to that place. Yeah, but here's another thought to think about. There's also, and I've heard of, uh, some of this mindset a lot, especially in the missional movement in the Christian church, where people ask the question, well, or people ask the question, well, someone could be brought into something bigger than themselves and along that journey be introduced to the source of why this is happening. So in, uh, in like a, a prime example would be, you know, person A starts coming out to someone's house for uh, just for the, their small group night. And then he's hanging out with them. He's noticing that, wow, something's different. And as he, he's doing that, he starts changing himself but doesn't know why. And then he comes to realize that it was really the work of God calling in him into that. But he was, he was almost brought to Christ through the actions of others. Um, and then he, you know, as he was doing good, as he was living that way, he fell in love with the person of Jesus who was the source of those things. But the problem with the problem, though, is that what you're saying is that, well, I believe that people were dead and only Christ could resuscitate them. And what I'm kind of saying in that analogy is, well, someone was kind of crawling along, not knowing why they were crawling. And then they found out, oh, it was God the whole time. So I don't know if it's one of those things where we're saying the same thing differently or where, you know, and this this can so easily go into a much bigger topic, and I, yeah. you know, and that we just don't have time for because we're almost at we're almost an hour already that we'll have to continue on later on. But the idea is, is that well, I agree that we were dead in our sins. Um, I I just have a heart because here's the thing: if I was drowned, if I would if I drowned already and was dead, that means that God chose me, and that that brings up the whole other can of worms of well, then I had no choice in the matter. God resuscitated me, I'm back to life. Which means that other people who might want Jesus, if they're dead, they can't get him until Jesus resuscitates them. So that's what I don't know. Because I do think to myself, well, like there are people who are thirsting for something greater. There are people who are thirsting for that hole in their heart that we grew up hearing right. about. And they don't know what it is yet. But I think that, you know, that if they were brought into something bigger than, than themselves, they could experience the love of God first and then come to know him through that. Mm -hmm. I think that God's love is that big, right? It, it, can, it can cover sin of all kinds. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm very, I'm very torn. Honestly, this is just me being real. I just don't know because part of me really agrees with the idea of, like, listen, like, I know that on my own, apart from Christ, you know, there's no good. Like, there's that, uh, my epic has some great lyrics, and it's like, you know, every true thing, every good thing, beautiful in me is you. And I'm like, man, I love that because it's so true. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, I like to think that just like how the nature of love in, in human form has to involve some kind of choosing or some kind of, yes, like, you know, like I, I'm committing to this and I'm drawn to it, that that's also part of the mix, too. So I think it's probably one of those both and things that I just can't reconcile right. in my head in logical human terms. I think that's definitely a good example. And I definitely believe that can happen. But then I look at kind of an opposite example that I would put before you would be Paul and how Paul was not doing good things at all. Right. In fact, he was on his way to kill Christians <laughs> yeah. and was literally knocked off his horse right. and blinded and just kind of like that's I feel like that's kind of 
a contrary example to what you're saying that could also be the case you know that jesus can invade your life in such a way mm, yeah <laughs> that you were not doing anything right. good and then well, you know absolutely encounter i mean that is that's the point of the gospel i mean the, and that's what i love about and, and that's the beautiful thing is that no one is too far gone for redemption that's what the gospel says it doesn't right. matter if you were if you were part of isis or if you were the little grandma down the street no one is too far from redemption and from forgiveness from Jesus and being reconciled to him. That's yeah. the beauty of it. And that's what I, what I wish that as Christians in our culture we were known for. You know, mm. if people didn't like us because we were praying for people in ISIS to get saved, that's something I can, that I'm like, yes, like that, yeah. that's just, that's radical. Like who would right. want to pray for our enemies, you know? Well, this guy Jesus does. And so you're right, Jordan, like there are definitely moments or there are definitely things that the gospel I look at it and I'm like, man, like only Jesus can rescue people from that state of depravity. Only he can rescue me from that. At the same time, I think that there are people out there who who were brought in without even kind of knowing what they were becoming a part of. And then we're like, wow, like well, why why is this group of people like this? And then they yeah. see it and they go, oh, this Jesus guy, man, I, I this is something that has totally changed my life. So there's probably moments of both. But at the end of the day, I think that we can both agree that only Jesus can really bring a, a dead person back to life. Yeah. However, we see that analogy, whether you know you were physically dead and you can't do anything, and he has to resuscitate <laughs> you, or the fact that you were spiritually dead and that you just couldn't see it until he opened your eyes, even if you were attracted to it, that that you weren't aware of it until he allowed right. you to see it. Only God brings people back to life, and He has the power to bring anyone back to life. Yeah. But there definitely is a part, I think, at the end of the day, where there is, in my opinion, of course, and this is a whole different topic that we'll cover another time because we have to get ready to wrap up here. That at the end of the day, there has to be some level of um, of choice involved on our side yeah. uh, on, on this side of heaven anyway there has to be uh, but that can definitely be a whole different amazing <laughs> topic Certainly. that we can definitely get into you right. know but i mean to wrap this up without going too much farther so you know this pope guy so where do you i mean how do you see the pope jordan like personally well i guess that's what i kind of wanted to say in conclusion of what i have to say about the pope um is just that the way i see it is yeah he's he seems like a really great guy that's doing a lot of really good things and he's changing a lot of perceptions about Christianity at large in the world. But my problem comes when I look at what he's preaching, what the Catholic Church preaches and what I believe he's saying and this emphasis that is put on works when it comes to salvation. And you've heard me talk about before um, kind of like the things that we do, you know, whether we call it you know, social justice or whatever we're doing, going out there in the world and the people we're helping, like that doesn't help unless they're also encountering Jesus Christ in a way that's going to save them, <laughs> essentially. You know, like if they're not, like if we're if we're getting someone um, out of a human trafficking situation, if we're getting someone out of, um, you know, if we're helping orphans or we're we're helping the poor and changing their physical position in this world, that's awesome. But what happens when they die ultimately? You know, and as a Christian, like that's what's on my heart is like if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, what was all that for? 
to give them a better quality of life while they're here. And that's, I guess, uh, if you, um, I guess that's what my problem is, is that maybe he does. And, and again, I don't want to claim to know everything that Francis believes, you know, on a personal level. I can only go off of what he's said publicly. Um, but what I see is him doing a lot of that. And, and I see a lot of people doing this, too, is I see a lot of that, like, temporal, temporary help, you know, for this life and with a, and neglecting whether it's because he believes differently than what is true of the gospel or whether it's because someone is ignoring that issue completely that someone needs Jesus in their heart um at the end of the day it's still not going to make a difference for eternity well that's where you and I are really going to disagree of course with like three minutes left of our podcast maybe we'll get into that later maybe we'll have to but the, here's what I will say briefly we Jesus makes it so clear that we are called to take care of the orphan and the widow and oh, the I poor. I agree with you. A hundred percent. And when you do those things in the name of Jesus, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. I mean, that is what he came to do. He came to preach the good news and to set the captives free. He came to preach the good news and give hope to the poor. You know, so it, it, it's really a both and situation. And here's the thing that I'll argue. A lot of Christians in our culture, they preached a lot about Jesus, but never showed the love of Christ to people tangibly. Now, you, yeah. I agree at the end of the day, if all we do is feed people and don't tell them about eternal bread, so to speak, what's the point? But why not do both? I mean, and that's the thing oh, is I why, not, agree with you. why not help the poor and why not fight for the rights of the poor, especially in a system that's so corrupt, in the name of Jesus because this is a glimpse of what heaven looks like, right? So I don't know, man. To me, it's like I'm with you on that as far as, you know, uh, uh, kind of meeting uh, meeting the spiritual need there. But, man, that physical need is a huge indication of how much we care about their spiritual need, in my opinion. I agree Hugely. with you. I, I, I didn't mean to make it seem like I don't think those things are important. Okay. I completely think those things are important. Yeah. And I definitely agree with you. It's a both and. Like, Jesus did both of those things. But what I see is that a lot of times people are neglecting what I believe to be the more important. Whew. All right. I will just stop there because <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't disagree more. But I think <laughs> next week we, we could probably continue this um, into more of the social gospel. I think that, that could be a great sure. topic for us to hit because I have a lot to say, and I'm sure you do too. <laughs> and I know that's when you and I can really go to town arguing. So, which sure. is, let's face it, that's what the people want to so hear. tune in. Tune in. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cliffhanger, you ding, know. Ding, ding. Oh, man. Well, everyone, thanks again for joining us on another episode of Coffee Theology and Jesus. Um, yep. Man, I, I was hoping we, we would get done early with this podcast, but here it is an hour. So if you stuck with us the whole <laughs> way through, thank you so yeah. much. We don't mean to ramble. We appreciate it. <laughs> um, and please let us know what you think about this. Do you agree with us on our assessment of the Pope or on the Catholic Church? Um, Catholics out there, did we miss something? Please let us know because we definitely mm. don't want to come across like um, as bashing or putting down another belief system. We just don't understand it fully, and we fully admit that. So um, message us, shoot us an email, um, anything that kind of gives us more clarity. We, we will include it in next week's episode. Um, but until then, guys, we will uh, we will talk to you soon. Or wait. Yes, we will talk to them soon. They will not talk to us. All right, okay, good. Yeah. All right, everyone, have a great night. Thank you. So we can harvest men. Send down seeds from your birds in heaven. So we can harvest men.